Section 3 of Captain Singleton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dennis Sayers. The Life, Adventures, and Piracies of Captain Singleton by Daniel Defoe. We were now a good troop, being in all twenty-seven men, very well armed, and provided with everything but victuals. We had two carpenters among us, a gunner, and, which was worth all the rest, a surgeon or doctor. That is to say, he was an assistant to a surgeon at Goa, and was entertained as a supernumerary with us. The carpenters had brought all their tools, the doctor all his instruments and medicines, and, indeed, we had a great deal of baggage, that is to say, on the whole, for some of us had little more than the clothes on our backs, of whom I was one. But I had one thing which none of them had, viz., I had the twenty-two moradores of gold which I had stole at the Brazils, and two pieces of eight. The two pieces of eight I showed, and one moidore and none of them ever suspected that I had taken any more money in the world, having been known to be only a poor boy, taken up in charity, as you have heard, and used like a slave, and in the worst manner of a slave, by my cruel master, the pilot. It will be easy to imagine we four that were left at first were joyful, nay, even surprised with joy at the coming of the rest, though at first we were frighted, and thought they came to fetch us back to hang us. But they took ways quickly to satisfy us that they were in the same condition with us, only with this additional circumstance theirs was voluntary, and ours by force. The first piece of news they told us, after the short history of their coming away, was that our companion was on board, but how he got thither we could not imagine, for he had given us the slip, and we never imagined he could swim so well as to venture off to the ship, which lay at so great a distance. Nay, we did not so much as know that he could swim at all, and not thinking anything of what really happened, we thought he must have wandered into the woods, and was devoured, or was fallen into the hands of the natives, and was murdered. And these thoughts filled us with fears enough, and of several kinds, about its being some time or other our lot to fall into their hands also. But hearing how he had, with much difficulty, been received on board the ship again, and pardoned, we were much better satisfied than before. Being now, as I have said, a considerable number of us, and in condition to defend ourselves, the first thing we did was to give every one his hand, that we would not separate from one another upon any occasion whatsoever, but that we would live and die together, that we would kill no food, but that we would distribute it in public, and that we would be in all things guided by the majority, 
and not insist upon our own resolutions in anything if the majority were against it that we would appoint a captain among us to be our governor or leader during pleasure that while he was in office we would obey him without reserve on pain of death and that every one should take turn but the captain was not to act in any particular thing without advice of the rest and by the majority having established these rules we resolved to enter into some measures for our food and for conversing with the inhabitants or natives of the island for our supply as for food they were at first very useful to us but we soon grew weary of them being an ignorant ravenous brutish sort of people even worse than the natives of any other country that we had seen and we soon found that the principal part of our subsistence was to be had by our guns shooting of deer and other creatures and fowls of all other sorts of which there is abundance we found the natives did not disturb or concern themselves much about us nor did they inquire or perhaps know whether we stayed among them or not much less that our ship was gone quite away and had cast us off as was our case for the next morning after we had sent back the longboat the ship stood away to the southeast and in four hours time was out of our sight the next day two of us went out into the country one way and two another to see what kind of a land we were in and we soon found the country was very pleasant and fruitful and a convenient place enough to live in but as before inhabited by a parcel of creatures scarce human or capable of being made social on any account whatsoever we found the place full of cattle and provisions but whether we might venture to take them where we could find them or not we did not know and though we were under a necessity to get provisions yet we were loath to bring down a whole nation of devils upon us at once and therefore some of our company agreed to try to speak with some of the country if we could that we might see what course was to be taken with them eleven of our men went on this errand well armed and furnished for defence they brought word that they had seen some of the natives who appeared very civil to them but very shy and afraid seeing their guns for it was easy to perceive that the natives knew what their guns were and what use they were of they made signs to the natives for some food and they went and fetched several herbs and roots and some milk but it was evident they did not design to give it away but to sell it making signs to know what our men would give them our men were perplexed at this for they had nothing to barter however one of the men pulled out a knife and showed them and they were so fond of it that they were ready to go together by the ears for the knife the seaman seeing that was willing to make a good market of his knife and keeping them chaffering about it a good while 
Some offered him roots, and others milk. At last one offered him a goat for it, which he took. Then another of our men showed them another knife, but they had nothing good enough for that, whereupon one of them made signs that he would go and fetch something. So our men stayed three hours for their return, when they came back and brought him a small-sized, thick, short cow, very fat, and good meat, and gave him for his knife. This was a good market, but our misfortune was we had no merchandise, for our knives were as needful to us as to them, and but that we were in distress for food, and must of necessity have some, these men would not have parted with their knives. However, in a little time more we found that the woods were full of living creatures, which we might kill for our food, and that without giving offence to them, so that our men went daily out a-hunting, and never failed in killing something or other. For, as to the natives, we had no goods to barter, and for money, all the stock among us would not have subsisted us long. However, we called a general council to see what money we had, and to bring it all together, that it might go as far as possible. And when it came to my turn, I pulled out a moidore, and the two dollars I spoke of before. This moidore I ventured to show, that they might not despise me too much, for adding too little to the store, and that they might not pretend to search me. And they were very civil to me, upon the presumption that I had been so faithful to them as not to conceal anything from them. But our money did us little service, for the people neither knew the value or the use of it, nor could they justly rate the gold in proportion with the silver, so that all our money, which was not much when it was all put together, would go but a little way with us, that is to say, to buy us provisions. Our next consideration was to get away from this cursed place, and whither to go. When my opinion came to be asked, I told them I would leave that all to them, and I told them I had rather they would let me go into the woods to get them some provisions, than consult with me, for I would agree to whatever they did. But they would not agree to that, for they would not consent that any of us should go into the woods alone. For, though we had yet seen no lions or tigers in the woods, we were assured there were many in the island, besides other creatures, as dangerous, and perhaps worse, as we afterwards found by our own experience. We had many adventures in the woods for our provisions, and often met with wild and terrible beasts, which we could not call by their names, but as they were, like us, seeking their prey, but were themselves good for nothing, so we disturbed them as little as possible. Our consultations concerning our escape from this place, which, as I have said, we were now upon, ended in this only, that as we had two carpenters among us, 
and that they had tools almost of all sorts with them, we would try to build us a boat to go off to sea with, and that then, perhaps, we might find our way back to Goa, or land on some more proper place to make our escape. The councils of this assembly were not of great moment, yet as they seemed to be introductory of many more remarkable adventures which happened under my conduct hereabouts many years after. I think this miniature of my future enterprises may not be unpleasant to relate. To the building of a boat I made no objection, and away they went to work immediately. But as they went on, great difficulties occurred, such as the want of saws to cut our plank, nails, bolts, and spikes to fasten the timbers, hemp, pitch, and tar, to caulk and pay her seams, and the like. At length one of the company proposed that, instead of building a bark, or sloop, or shallop, or whatever they would call it, which they found was so difficult, they would rather make a large periagua, or canoe, which might be done with great ease. It was presently objected that we could never make a canoe large enough to pass the great ocean, which we were to go over to get to the coast of Malabar, that it not only would not bear the sea, but it would never bear the burden, for we were not only twenty-seven men of us, but had a great deal of luggage with us, and must, for our provision, take in a great deal more. I never proposed to speak in their general consultations before, but finding that they were at some loss about what kind of vessel they should make, and how to make it, and what would be fit for our use, and what not, I told them I found they were at a full stop in their counsels of every kind, that it was true we could never pretend to go over to Goa on the coast of Malabar in a canoe, which, though we could all get into it, and that it would bear the sea well enough, yet would not hold our provisions, and, especially, we could not put fresh water enough into it for the voyage, and to make such an adventure would be nothing but mere running into certain destruction, and yet that, nevertheless, I was for making a canoe. They answered that they understood all I had said before well enough, but what I meant by telling them first how dangerous and impossible it was to make our escape in a canoe, and yet then to advise making a canoe, that they could not understand. To this I answered that I conceived our business was not to attempt our escape in a canoe, but that, as there were other vessels at sea besides our ship, and that there were few nations that lived on the seashore that were so barbarous, but that they went to sea in some boats or other, our business was to cruise along the coast of the island, which was very long, and to seize upon the first we could get that was better than our own, and so 
from that to another, till perhaps we might at last get a good ship to carry us wherever we please to go. Excellent advice, says one of them. Admiral advice, says another. Yes, yes, says the third, which was the gunner. The English dog has given excellent advice, but it is just the way to bring all of us to the gallows. The rogue has given us devilish advice, indeed, to go a-thieving, till from a little vessel we came to a great ship, and so we shall turn downright pirates, the end of which is to be hanged. You may call us pirates, says another, and if you will, and if we fall into bad hands, we may be used like pirates. But I care not for that. I'll be a pirate, or anything. Nay, I'll be hanged for a pirate, rather than starve here. Therefore, I think the advice is very good. And so they cried all, Let us have a canoe. The gunner, overruled by the rest, submitted. But as we broke up the council, he came to me, takes me by the hand, and looking into the palm of my hand, and into my face, too, very gravely, My lad, says he, thou art born to do a world of mischief. Thou hast commenced pirate very young. But have a care of the gallows, young man. Have a care, I say, for thou wilt be an eminent thief. I laughed at him, and told him I did not know what I might come to hereafter, but as our case was now, I should make no scruple to take the first ship I came at to get our liberty. I only wished we could see one and come at her. Just while we were talking, one of the men that was at the door of our hut told us that the carpenter, who it seems was upon a hill at a distance, cried out, a sail, a sail. We all turned out immediately, but though it was very clear weather, we could see nothing. But the carpenter continued to halloo at us, a sail, a sail. Away we ran up the hill, and there we saw a ship plainly. But it was at a very great distance, too far for us to make any signal to her. However, we made a fire upon the hill, with all the wood we could get together, and made as much smoke as possible. The wind was down, and it was almost calm, but, as we thought, by a perspective glass which the gunner had in his pocket, her sails were full, and she stood away large with the wind in east-northeast, taking no notice of our signal, but making for the cape the bona speranza, so we had no comfort from her. We went therefore immediately to work about our intended canoe, and, having singled out a very large tree to our minds, we fell to work with her, and having three good axes among us, we got it down. But it was four days' time first, though we worked very hard too. I do not remember what wood it was, or exactly what dimensions, 
but I remember that it was a very large one, and we were as much encouraged when we launched it, and found it swam upright and steady, as we would have been at another time if we had a good man-of-war at our command. She was so very large that she carried us all very, very easily, and would have carried two or three tons of baggage with us, so that we began to consult about going to sea directly to Goa. But many other considerations checked that thought, especially when we came to look nearer into it such as want of provisions, and no casts for fresh water, no compass to steer by, no shelter from the breach of the high sea, which would certainly founder us, no defense from the heat of the weather, and the like, so that they all came readily into my project to cruise about where we were and see what might offer. Accordingly, to gratify our fancy, we went one day all out to sea in her together, and we were in a very fair way to have had enough of it, for when she had us all on board, and that we were gotten about half a league to sea, there happening to be a pretty high swell of the sea, though little or no wind, yet she wallowed so in the sea that we all of us thought that she would at last wallow herself bottom up. So we set all to work to get her in nearer the shore, and giving her fresh way in the sea, she swam more steady, and with some hard work we got her under the land again. We were now at a great loss. The natives were civil enough to us, and came often to discourse with us, one time they brought one whom they showed respect to as a king with them, and they set up a long pole between them and us, with a great tassel of hair hanging, not on the top, but something above the middle of it, adorned with little chains, shells, bits of brass, and the like. And this, we understood afterwards, was a token of amity and friendship, and they brought down to us victuals in abundance, cattle, fowls, herbs, and roots. But we were in the utmost confusion on our side, for we had nothing to buy with, or exchange for, and as to giving us things for nothing, they had no notion of that again. As to our money, it was mere trash to them. They had no value for it so that we were in a fair way to be starved. Had we had but some toys and trinkets, brass chains, baubles, glass beads, or, in a word, the veriest trifles that a shipload of would not have been worth the freight, we might have bought cattle and provisions enough for an army, or to victual a fleet of men of war. But for gold or silver, we could get nothing. Upon this we were in a strange consternation. I was but a young fellow, but I was for falling upon them with our firearms, and taking all the cattle from them, and send them to the devil to stop their hunger, rather than be starved ourselves. 
but I did not consider that this might have brought ten thousand of them down upon us the next day, and though we might have killed a vast number of them, and perhaps have frighted the rest, yet their own desperation, and our small number, would have animated them, so that one time or another they would have destroyed us all. In the middle of our consultation, one of our men, who had been a kind of a cutler or worker in iron, started up and asked the carpenter if, among all his tools, he could not help him to a file. Yes, says the carpenter, I can, but it is a small one. The smaller the better, says the other. Upon this he goes to work, and first by heating a piece of an old broken chisel in the fire, and then with the help of his file, he made himself several kinds of tools for his work. Then he takes three or four pieces of eight, and beats them out with a hammer upon a stone, till they were very broad and thin. Then he cuts them into the shape of birds and beasts. He made little chains of them for bracelets and necklaces, and turned them into so many devices of his own head that it is hardly to be expressed. When he had, for about a fortnight, exercised his head and hands at this work, we tried the effect of his ingenuity, and having another meeting with the natives, were surprised to see the folly of the poor people. For a little bit of silver cut in the shape of a bird, we had two cows, and, which was our loss, if it had been in brass, it had been still of more value. For one of the bracelets made of chain-work, we had as much provision of several sorts, as would fairly have been worth, in England, fifteen or sixteen pounds, and so of all the rest. Thus, that which, when it was in coin, was not worth sixpence to us, when thus converted into toys and trifles, was worth a hundred times its real value, and purchased for us anything we had occasion for. End of section three. Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California for LibriVox.